Welcome to the Modern Yogi Podcast, an exploration of ancient wisdom. Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome back. We are on chapter eight, text number 22 and episode number 62. 62. Um. You know, like I'm looking around like, where is Abhijit's sign? We're lost without Abhijit's sign. (laughs) So, yeah, if you don't know, every every single episode, our producer holds up a giant sign that has our episode number. And without him, we would be completely lost. (laughs) We don't know. Are we we on episode four? Episode four to four? I don't know. I don't know. But all we know is we're super excited to be back it's always like such good vibes before the episodes begin thank yes. you for joining us our producer is abajit our social media director is ella Woo-hoo! they are the Woo! team that puts everything out there they're the reason that all of our content gets out to you out into the world so thank you both for everything that you are doing my name is shama sangeeta i'm priya darshini and i'm shamali and okay. we are the Modern Yogi Podcast. The Modern Yogi Podcast. The Modern Yogi Podcast. That's a reference out. to a different episode. If you don't know what that is, I take it as a sign to go back to listen to our previous ones. He's so good at making that goat really sound. Is. He's like so good at it. <laughs> Love it. That's it's hilarious. Just, just so great. where are we, ladies? I think we're around chapter eight text. We're going to start off on the purport of text 21, which we didn't get to last time. But basically, this is all talking about attaining the Supreme Lord, right? Seven Chapters 7, 8, and 9 are a lot about bhakti yoga. We talked a lot about jnana yoga, the different breathings, the different meditations. Finally, we're getting to the most beautiful section of how to attain the Supreme. What mm. does it mean to attain Krishna, to go to his divine abode? What, what is he like? What, what will it take to get there? You know, yes. this is the, the one of the sweetest parts, seven, eight, and nine chapters of the Gita. Yeah. And if you missed out on the last episode, a quick recap is that we talked a little bit about liberation, right? And so if liberation is achieved, do we take birth again on planet earth? Do we do, where mm. do we go? Do we take birth again on the moon, the Mars, Venus, Uranus? What the Mars. is it? The, <laughs> the Mars. Sound like my mom right there. Uh, do we take birth on the Mars? You know, I don't know. I don't know. Find out the last episode. Okay. <laughs> Love it. That couldn't have gone better. Right. Say. So where do we take birth again? Where do we go? What's it like there? So in our last episode, Krishna answers these very important questions. And he also explains what a typical day is like for Brahma. Oh, that was a super interesting really episode, cool. right? Yeah. We broke it all down and got very technical. Also, Abhijit threw in some very interesting facts because there's a lot of like scientific evidence that just points towards all of this being so real and so true. And Vedic, uh, the concept of Vedic cosmology, how they analyze the universe is just very interesting. We barely touched upon it in the last episode, but there's some good content there. So you should totally check it out. Yeah, right. Brahma has a really long day. day. So if you ever feel tired after your day, just think, what must Brahma feel like? He has the longest day. He comes home and puts face masks on on all four of his heads. All the cucumbers. He has to buy four packs of face bags every time he goes to the drugstore. That's so much money. That's a lot of money. That's a lot of money. (laughs) So empathy to Brahma and his long day. So should we start on the invocation prayers? Yes, let's let's do it. Om Jnana Timirandasya Jnananjana Shalakaya Shakshurun Militam Yena Tasmai Shri Gurave Namaha 
Translation, I was born in the darkest ignorance and my spiritual master opened my eyes with the torch of knowledge. I offer my respectful obeisances onto them. Oh, right. Wonderful. So we were going to go into 22, but we're going to dive into chapter eight, the purport of 21. Yes. All right. So I, I mean, just, dive just, just do like a little recap or no? For uh, a recap of maybe the, to read text. the text. Yeah, let's just read the text. Let's read the text. Yeah, okay. Let's do it. That which the Vedantist... Did I say that right? It sounded you, like you were from Texas. You, yeah, you sounded a little bit like... Damn Vedantist. It sounded weird to my the own ear, too. are the greatest people on earth. <laughs> well, I, I am from Texas. Try that again. Guys. This is so good. Okay. Yeah, by, Priya and I, we both were born in Texas. Anyway. I wasn't, but... Oh, I lived here. Oh, my God. I don't know what... I, I knew that. Uh, I just had amnesia. Priya is a Texan at heart. Because I know her from she, Texas. She loves all the Vedantists. <laughs> Okay. okay. Let me try oh. that again. <clears throat> okay. That which line? The, the Vedantist. <laughs> okay. Described as unmanifest and infallible. That which is known as the supreme destination. That place from which having attained it, one never returns. That is my Krishna's mm. supreme abode. So this is a very special text and purport because in the text, they're already showing, okay, that place beyond all of this. We just talked about Brahma's day, all the cycles, what happens at the end of all the yugas, right? The manifest and unmanifest, mm. what happens? Like if we achieve liberation and where do we break, break this cycle of birth and death and birth and death, where do we go? Exactly. Okay. And that's why Krishna says beyond all of that is my abode. And in the purport... Wait, before you get into the purport, can yeah, we just yeah. break it down a little bit, right? So... Definitely. The, I think Vedantist... I can't oh say my that. God. I love the Vedantists so much. They're my best I friends. I can't say it, I keep going. I will not be able to return from the giggle fit. <laughs> okay, okay. I won't say that word. I mean, we're just talking about devotees, okay? Yeah. Like, lovers of Krishna. Yes, the lovers okay. of Krishna. That's a weird way to say that too. Oh, gosh. <laughs> okay, anyways. Um, so, that which... We describe as unmanifested and infallible. So we're thinking right. about Krishna, that which is a Krishna who is unmanifested because he's always been there, right? Yeah. I like that clarification. He's yeah. always been there totally. Yeah, always From been there. From time immemorial. We can't even conceptualize that because in this material world. Everything has a beginning and end. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. What What would you say? How would you describe infallible? Shama. Oh, that's a really good question. And I I think I'm going to like spend a little bit of time <laughs> just Googling, Googling it while you talk amongst okay, yeah, okay, sure. just, it, it incapable of making mistakes or being wrong. <laughs> just, like that. That. just like us. Just like us. So perfect. <laughs> so, yeah. so perfect. So, yeah. So, so start again. So like, okay, let me try yeah, that again. Explain it. So that, that which we described as unmanifested. So Krishna, who's always existed. Right. Krishna, who is perfect and never makes mistakes. Yes. That place, which we know to be the supreme destination, right? Like the ultimate place where we want to be. We know we don't want to be in the material world. We know we don't really want to go to the heavenly planets mm -hmm. because it's all temporary. And then we have to come back and do this whole thing again. So that place, which is the supreme destination and that place from when which when you attain it, so when you get there, you never have to come back to suffering. You never have to come back to old age, right. to disease, to being born, to be to dying, and right? Yeah, that's that, where Krishna lives. That's where Krishna lives. Okay, yeah. got it. And that's kind of the whole point of the Bhagavad Gita is to help us elevate our consciousness so we can get back there to this supreme destination and abode. 
Yeah. It's kind of a hopeful in a sense where it's like this place is the only place that's not temporary. Yeah. And if you work your butt off your whole life trying to love Krishna, right? And you're mm. the ultimate mm. Vedantist, you know what I mean? <laughs> if you are so good at loving Krishna, you spend your entire life just thinking about him and serving him and and working on on your relationship with him. If you get to that point of being with Krishna, you're you're not going to ever like fall back down, mm, you know, yeah. that's kind of a hopeful verse, you know? Yeah. And that makes me think, I like that you're pointing out the hopeful side because whenever we look at the material realm, it's full of such hopelessness yeah. sometimes, you know, yeah. anxiety, death. How could you, so many people nowadays, anxiety is on a rise like never before. And if we think about it, how could you not be anxious? There's death all around us. I'm constantly thinking, I don't want to lose my parents. How much time is limited? They're anxiety inducing thoughts. And yeah. the second that you seep into the transcendental realm, that that goes beyond all this, there's finally hope. Because that's eternal, that's beautiful, like you said, perfect, infallible. It's always existed and it's always going to be there. And we just need to get back home. And I love this because essentially, if you're listening at home or in a car, whatever, we're here walking this path back home together, you know, Mm. and I couldn't be happier to do this with you ladies. That's so sweet. Oh, that's really nice. (laughs) No, I'm really excited to be back here. And it feels like even though it's been such a short time, every time we get back. (laughs) (laughs) Since the last episode. (laughs) Yeah. It just feels like, oh, ever fresh. That's the nature of Krishna consciousness. It really is. It is a joyful journey and it's nice to do it with your friends. And and we talked so much about how association, like finding people that care about the same things, who want to know Krishna better, like that is the best place that you can be. Oh yeah. Yeah. And I think in this, in this, text like Krishna's basically saying like this is my crib yeah this you want is to my crib who are you you're becoming <laughs> so cool you talk like my eighth graders this is my crib he's basically saying like, and, the, and you know what he's doing he's doing an MTV yeah, cribs you exactly. know where he's, he's like, like hey welcome to my I crib once exactly. you come here you can work, play work, with work, the work. pinball machine you can play with the pool you can play with everything exactly. and you never have to leave literally yeah. I love that description amazing. that's the purport because Krishna's going to in purport of text 21 describe a little more his crib. So he's literally, we're going to do a dip into dishes, Krishna's crib. Let's do it, Shamli. <laughs> Alrighty. I didn't sound as cool as Priyasa. I know, you kind of made it sound like a baby's crib. <laughs> <laughs> like, I feel like Urkel, this is my crib. <laughs> Alrighty. It was good. So in the beginning, uh, a few things actually that are very important to bring up. So I'm just going to dive into it. They describe the supreme abode of Krishna is described in the Brahma Samhita as a place where all desires are fulfilled. And the I want to take, who? yeah, I want to <laughs> okay. take a pause there before we even get into opening the door to Krishna's crib. I want to mention the Brahma Samhita because Samhita, Brahma Samhita, Abhijit, Abhijit. <laughs> Samhita. Ah, uh, really? So, I feel like so many people say Samhita, but it's Samhita. Hmm. Rama Samhita. That feels so off. Anyway. I know. Vedantist sounds right to me also. So. You said it right there. Did I? Totally I can't tell the difference. <laughs> Samhita is when you go to Subway and you get a sandwich. You're like, I like the Samhita, please. Oh, <laughs> my God. <laughs> let's try it again. Okay. So, so let's describe quickly what is the Brahma Samhita. <laughs> Sorry. You guys, I can't even focus on the laughing one. <laughs> okay, go ahead. Sorry, okay. So, <clears throat> so we're going to pause and talk about what that is for a second because it's mentioned in this purport and the purport of the following text. It's a pretty important... It's actually prayers from Lord Brahma when he was in the beginning. We've mentioned this before when Brahma was about to create everything. He was in darkness at first, bewildered, and he was advised by the goddess of fortune to pray and to meditate on Lord Krishna. Mm. So he 
recited these beautiful prayers that are in the form of a poem composing the Brahma Samhita. That's nice. Well right, right, right. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, and it, it is such a, on the theme of hopefulness. It's so hopeful because to me, so let me, before I say why it's hopeful. So basically it's one of the top scriptures in our line of bhakti yoga, because it describes among so many things, creation, destruction, everything. It describes Krishna, his form, his abode among many, many things. And it's interesting, actually, I was doing a little refreshing on this. We only have nowadays one chapter. We only have intact one chapter of this greater poem that we've mentioned Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu kind of, it was lost at one point in the antiquity of time. And, Mm. you know, so now we have one portion of this greater epic prayer in the form of a poem. So basically once Brahma uh, qualifies himself through prayers to Krishna, Krishna in his heart through revelation reveals to him all of these pastimes going on, what the spiritual world is like, what his form is like. And I love that because it makes it accessible to all of us because Mm. these transcendental truths come to us from the mercy of the Supreme Lord himself through divine revelation and not mental speculation, you know, just like it happened to Lord Brahma. It's accessible to all of us. It's not that through me being so smart, I'm going to figure it out or analyze it out. No, this process of bhakti, we're elevating our consciousness. We're strictly following the path. And then we too can have access to these higher truths, just like <laughs> Brahma did. If we're sincere, Krishna will reveal it in our heart. So that just, sounds that sounds really relatable. I know, like, like I know maybe it's a silly thing to say, but like what I mean by that is like Brahma basically was having a panic attack, right? Right. Because yes. he was kind of like, oh my god, like, just like I doing on the battlefield. Yeah, a panic like, attack. like we all do. We're all right. kind of like having these moments of like, what is my life? What am I supposed to do? Existential like, angst. Yeah. 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 Right. And so he's like trying to create the whole world. That's a big task to do. Right. right? And he's like, Oh my God, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? And then someone's like, Hey, like pray to Krishna, which is the same thing we're telling other people, which is the same thing we're telling ourselves, which is the same thing that is being said to Arjuna. It's the same thing. Everyone's kind of telling each other. And then Krishna will show us the way, Mm. right? So it's it's actually really relatable that Brahma had that experience. Right. And we're trying to do, of course, we're not Brahma, but we're trying to do what he did. We're trying to prepare our hearts to be able to receive this divine revelation, through engaging in this talk, if you're listening at home, we're all trying to prepare our hearts for that and it'll be revealed. And I thought that's just a really beautiful setting for the descriptions that came to Brahma's heart, Mm. which actually Srila Prabhupada, who brought all of this knowledge to the West, he found it so important that when the curtains open in the temple in the mornings, the morning prayers that go on are part of the Brahma Samhita. Mm-hmm. Which, Samhita. Ah, yes. Samhita. Mm. <laughs> Vedantist. <laughs> oh, I love this episode. <laughs> anyway, so I thought we could sing just the beginning portion. It goes mm. something like... Govindam Adipurusham Dhamaham Bajami Govindam Adipurusham Dhamaham Bajami So every single morning in the temples all around the world, they play these prayers from parts of the Brahma Samhita. (laughs) <laughs> so yeah did I you just, know well, let me see if i'm right about this isn't yeah. isn't that recording that is played in every temple uh-huh. uh from done by jamuna Jor- right 
Oh. No, it's it's uh, George Harrison. Well, I don't know if there might be a place where George Harrison does sing that, but I know, isn't it a young Jamuna who sings? Well, Ger- George Harrison put together the whole morning right. prayer album and it's the same song that plays at every temple. They play the same version of it. Oh, right. So he put it together and it's her lead voice singing. I think Jamuna there's multiple Davey. people singing. Like, I think she starts she it, but starts there's others. She singing the Govinda yeah. Maripuja. Oh, that's yeah, and George amazing. Harrison that really puts cool? it together. That's really that's cool. amazing. Yeah, like, so like if you find, there's a record of this, like a, like a physical record that An you can play. An old school record, yeah. Yeah, and um, you can find it and just like play it at home. It's, it's kind of wow. cool. Like, yeah. It's a cool So fact, the yeah. Brahma Samhita is uh, relatable to everyone. World famous uh, singers, <laughs> devotees. Vedantists, everybody, <laughs> everybody, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> so I just wanted to do a little pit stop on what that was, the Rama Samhita. And now we'll dive into it because it gives beautiful explanations of Krishna and of his abode. So basically diving in, Krishna's abode is a place where all desires are fulfilled. The supreme abode of Krishna is known as Goloka Vrindavan. And it's a place made of touchstones. There are trees called desire trees that supply all types of fruits we want in this realm a mango tree provides mangoes. Uh, orange tree provides oranges. Their desire trees provide anything your heart desires, literally. That's pretty awesome. That That's pretty, pretty amazing. Cool. Yep. And there's a portion in that they even don't describe in this purport, but it continues in the original Brahma Samhita where they talk about in the Goloka Vrindavan. I love this line. Every step is a dance. Every word is a song. Mm. And we hear that so often in our tradition, right? Yeah. yeah. That just kind of, to me, what does that make you guys feel? It foreshadows the beauty of it all, right? Oh, it's yeah. so the joy, effortless, like, joyful. Like good dang time, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> good dang time. <laughs> Can I read one more little description of Vrindavan that goes in line with this one? So this is like heaven, right? Like you're describing like yes. heaven, right? Oh, like yeah. this is the place that we're trying to achieve. And once we get there, we don't go back down to the material yeah. world. And you're describing the beauty of it. Exactly. And later on in the purport, they're actually going to describe how special this is. Because this isn't just, there's many Vaikuntha heavenly planets. This is the centermost, topmost place we can go to, which we'll get there in a moment. I want to, if you're all listening to this, and then I'm going to ask you ladies to tell me what you feel after this, close your eyes and try to really visualize this. Okay, and deep then, breath in. And then I'm going to ask you guys what you think. Deep breath so, out. I wish I had like... Om Gong symbols going on. Anyway, oh. there we go. There we go. Okay. Sorry. So, <laughs> right, there's a description of Krishna's home, and it, it says follows Goloka, also called Vrindavan, is always full of cows. There are many waterfalls which are always pouring water, and the sound is so sweet that it covers the sound of the crickets. And because water flows all over the forest, always looks very green and beautiful. The inhabitants of Vrindavan are never disturbed by the scorching heat of the sun or high summer temperatures. The lakes of Vrindavan are surrounded by green grass and various kinds of lotus flowers that bloom there. The air blowing in Vrindavan carries the aromatic pollen of those lotus flowers. When the particles of water from the waves of the Jamuna River, the lakes and the waterfalls touches the bodies of the inhabitants of Vrindavan, they automatically feel a cooling effect. Vrindavan is such a nice place. Flowers are always blooming, and there are even various kinds of decorated deer. Birds are chirping, peacocks are crowing and dancing, and bees are humming. The cuckoos there sing nicely in five kinds of tunes. Krishna, the reservoir of pleasure, blowing his flute, accompanied by his elder brother Balaram and the other cowherd boys and the cows, entered the beautiful forest of Vrindavan to enjoy the atmosphere. 
They walk into the midst of newly grown leaves of trees whose flowers resemble the peacock feathers. And they're all garlanded and they're dancing and singing and wrestling while Krishna is all, they engage in all these blissful, beautiful pastimes. And it continues, but I wanted to know, could you guys really imagine that place? Like, were you be able to visualize the beauty of it? That was beautiful. Oh. <laughs> I mean, it sounds imaginary because we live in this material world and like nothing is that amazing. Right. So it sounds like the kind of place that like, or like the mindset of like when you were going to go travel and you're like, oh my gosh, I'm going to go mm. to this place and it's going to be the most amazing place. And it's going to be like, the water's going to be cleaner right. and, and the fruits are going to be tastier. <laughs> and like, you're just like excited, right. but nothing in this material world no, quite right. compares no, to no. that. But what I wasn't thinking, like what, what I was thinking about was like the best places that you've ever traveled to. Do you mm. remember like the most beautiful place that you've ever traveled to? Yeah. Like for me, it was um, like Banff in Canada, mm. which is a national mm. park in Canada. Most beautiful thing. And right. I pictured that and I imagine picturing like picturing a thousand times more beautiful than that. Right. Like that's gorgeous, right? Yeah. Right, right. Well, and you know, even if you go to Vrindavan on this earth now, which is about 90 miles south of Delhi, and it's where Krishna basically came onto earth to have all of his pastimes here. And when he descended, he came to this particular part of the land known as Vrindavan. So I went to Vrindavan the first time with my family when I was three years old. And even within my own lifetime, it's changed so, so mm. much from the age of three till now when I visited just earlier this year. And in those, in those couple of decades, you know, since I've been there, it used to actually, you can kind of see glimpses of what it really looks like mm. there. It really looked like this. You go to still some parts that are still intact and more in the nature and the outskirts, not in the very heart of Vrindavan. And there are peacocks roaming the fields. It's literally like this. And you yeah. think, wow, because it, it, I agree, Shama, you might hear this and someone who's never been might be like, yeah, that feels fake. That's imaginary, yeah. you know? Or even someone who's been to Vrindavan might be like, oh, I don't know, because things have changed so right, much. But right. It takes, it's a little more internal now, right? To yes. be able to tap into the true uh, Goloka Vrindavan. Yes. But you know what you mentioned? That it's like, it's like, it is a real place. And I just want to stop mm -hmm. for a second where it's like, you know, we're talking about Goloka Vrindavan, which is heaven. And like, we're imagining all those things. But what's also really cool is that we have a God that mm. actually took birth on this planet. Mm. And there's a place in India right now mm. that you can go and you can go check out these different pastimes. You can see mm. where he played with his friends. You can see where he hung out with his, with his girlfriend, right. Radharani. You know what I mean? Like you can see all of these cool places right. and this is a place that actually exists. You yeah. know what I mean? You totally. Like yeah. it, it, it drives me crazy. Like, have you guys <laughs> heard of like, at, like, I think it's um like it's the colonial name is Adams Bridge. Mm, but no, it's no. like it's like the bridge that connects like southern India to Sri Lanka. I've heard oh, about it. I think. Right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Right, right. And it's like it was built by Hanuman and the monkeys yeah. to help Lord Ram cross over and to help Sita. And like that's a whole different topic. But like these things are real. Like NASA yeah. can see these images yeah. from from satellites and whatnot. And like these places are real. Yeah, like didn't they find huge chunks of stone underneath yeah. the ocean yeah. in parts that would have been nowadays that bridge connecting to Sri Lanka. It's so wild it's yeah. like this is Ramayan like Rama is Krishna and Krishna had these pastimes and you can see the yeah. physical manifestations of these pastimes in 100%. real life we don't just have to imagine exactly confirmed by NASA you yeah. know what I mean and so like that's 
beautiful. Yeah, there's literally, literally this place in Vrindavan, more on the outskirts in the nature area, where you go to this one rock where Krishna was said to fight against this demon who stole all the coward boys and hid them in a cave. And you go to the rock up on the hill and you're like fields and flowers. It's beautiful. Peacocks everywhere. And on the rock, there's one part that's like, boom, Krishna's hand etched into the rock. Yeah. It was there when I was three wow. years old. It's still there now. You know, wow. it's more weathered over time, yeah. the rain coming down. And now they had to put a little thing shielding it from the rain. But you literally see Krishna's little hand and his knee mark where he kind of landed like a superhero after throwing the demon. And they said the earth was shaking so much that Balaram had to push his foot down to stabilize the earth. And sure enough, you come to the bottom, the base of the hill, and Balaram's huge footprint is like undeniably there. Wow. It's incredible. And so you can see this. You, you can go there and see this. You yes. Know what I mean? It's wild. And connecting it to the Bhagavad Gita, there's a place close to that area. Kamyavan, it's called. It's one of my favorite places in Vrindavan. There's an area close to there where when the Pandavas went into hiding, you know, they were in exile. The and Pandavas are Krishna's cousins. Exactly. And one of them is Arjuna, who's having this whole conversation, which is the Bhagavad Gita. And you go to this place and it's where this celestial architect built in like, what, a day, two days, this whole palace. You go there and it's still there. And every pillar has a different intricate carving. It's unbelievable. And when mm. I was there, I feel like a crazy person. I was running around. It's all real. It's Oh, real. <laughs> Unbelievable. Like it brings it so to life. It's so meaningful too, because like, let's say, you know, we travel and we see like Romans building their yeah, empires yeah. and all of this, but we're seeing like the history of the world in, mm -hmm. in a way that is like connected to our spirituality and our transcendental truth. I don't yeah. know if I'm making sense no, of I it. No, I love but like, that you bring that up. It is history mixed with culture, mixed with above all spirituality. It's like the best of the best of the best. Yeah, it's, it's like when you look back and you talk, like you look at like Greek or Romans or like whatever, whatever uh, history from back in the day, you can appreciate the artistic right. creations, right. the, the, the paintings, that the built. empires, yeah. the right. buildings, all of these things. But there's something that is just, it's just, is what it was. There's right. nothing connecting it to us, to the present day right. so much more. Right. right. It's a thing of the past. Yeah. It's like in the past and it's wonderful to admire from afar. But here, when you look at Vrindavan and you look at these places with all these meaningful uh, locations where you can see Krishna through mm -hmm. the, the, the locations or the, you know, like you were saying the imprints or this yeah. or that you're, you're being connected to something that you're currently living. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Cause we may have mentioned before, and I like that you're connected to something that you're currently living, as you said, because we've said before, Vrindavan is not only a place it's the spiritual world and it's a state of mind. So you don't have to be in Vrindavan to have a Vrindavan state of mind, yeah. meaning we're trying to cultivate this every single day through our practices, through speaking about it. It's a consciousness that we're trying to elevate. So Vrindavan is a state of mind that's connected to our day-to-day -day lives. Yeah. yeah, it's like the Alicia Keys song, you know, like New York is a state of mind. <laughs> like Vrindavan can also be a state of mind. It? You want to sing it for right. us? No, I don't. Priya, there's the part... Yes. So then there's one more part in the purport that we wanted to emphasize and it's uh, actually a description of Krishna. So we're going to take our sweet time. Okay, fine. Take your sweet, <laughs> sweet Guys, if we, we're only going to do one verse yeah. this entire episode. But you know what? This is the most, to me, the most important purport and verse almost in chapter eight. It's just okay. very sweet because the whole purpose, like the whole purpose of this whole chapter is attaining the Supreme. And remember that time when we talked about how like that guy who went to the party and he didn't know his wife? Oh, yes, yes, yes. Right? If yeah. you don't know who Krishna is, how can you attain him? So we're just going to describe him, okay? Okay, let's Give us a it. second here. All right. It says, all right, let's say <laughs> Sorry, one second. It says, he is called Govinda, the primal Lord and the cause of all causes. The Lord 
is used to playing on his flute. His transcendental form is the most attractive in all the worlds. His eyes are like lotus petals. Mm. His body is like the color of clouds. He wears a saffron cloth and a garland around his neck and a peacock feather in his hair. So how can you tell who Krishna is? Well, we know a few things about him mm-hmm. now. We know what he kind of looks like. And when you said cloud, more specifically, it's like the dark rain cloud, right? Before a monsoon. Yes. And, you know, like you say, if you know what he looks like, you can look for that. Like before a storm, I always like look in the sky thinking, which shade of the cloud would be more like Krishna? And I kind of, it brings it more to real life. And then once there was like a streak of gold from the sun setting and I was like, and that's like his dhoti, the yellow. And then you just start, I don't know, you start getting immersed in that consciousness, that Krishna consciousness. Yeah. When you can see a personal form of him. So those are some of the descriptions about Krishna. Yeah. And um, basically we are trying to always remember him mm. so that we can achieve Goloka Vrindavan. Exactly. Because ah, the beautiful thing is circle. And Love once that. we get to Goloka Vrindavan, an important thing is we never come back. So yeah. many other destinations you have to come back because they're still in the material realm. But when you go there, you never come back because Krishna's abode and Krishna himself are non-different. They're the same quality. So you're just eternally then back home. There's no return flight. There's no return flight. Just a one in way the best ticket. way. In yeah. the best way, yeah. <laughs> and there's one final, one final point. Yes, go for it, Shama. So the Bhagavad Gita, basically, Krishna's giving us a small little hint of his personal abode of Goloka Vrindavan. And it says in the purport, and I want to bring this up to make a bigger point. It says it's the supermost planet in the spiritual kingdom. And the Vedic literature states there's nothing superior to the abode of the Supreme Godhead. And that's the ultimate destination. So I feel if someone who is maybe newer might think, okay, if this is the topmost destination, what about everyone else? There aren't there many devout spiritualists in other spiritual paths. They're not going to the topmost destination. What about them? So then I started thinking, right, different spiritualists are on different paths and those paths are also valid because different paths lead you to different destinations. Are you talking about different religions right Different now? religions, okay, right. So, like so when I a first- A devout Jewish person, a devout sure. Christian, devout- yeah. Exactly, because there's many saints in many other religious paths. And when you hear this, like, okay, it's the topmost path. So one might think, what about a very saintly person in a different spiritual tradition? So I started thinking about it and I had a conversation with my parents how, right, in Bhakti, we definitely believe that different practices lead you on different paths and lead you to a different destination. And in Bhakti, the reason we think Goloka Vrindavan is the highest is because that's where you really can have loving, spontaneous interactions with Krishna. And I know I mentioned this before, like Giriraj Maharaj, who said the difference with Krishna and Vishnu would be, for example, the the judge in the courtroom, who it's a mood of awe and reverence towards him. But when he takes off his judge's hat and goes back home, he's a husband, he's a father, you know, and that's more loving and spontaneous. And in our own lives, who are the people closer to us? The ones that maybe know us from afar as celebrities on Modern Yogi Podcast. Oh, <laughs> I'm joking. <okay>. Very <laughs> oh, okay. D-list. No, no, that, that derailed. But the point is, Who's closer in your life? Those who know you maybe from afar and like, oh, they're cool. I want to be their friend. Or those people who you really have spontaneous loving interactions with. So that's why I wanted to connect that to the reason we think this is the topmost path, because that's where you really can have loving interactions. And there's other spiritual destinations, heavenly planets, but you're not going to have the sweetest interactions like you do in Goloka Vrindavan. And in a scientific way, the 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 reasoning is also that every other planet still has... Um, birth and death. Exactly. Right? Like it, it might not have suffering to the same extent that we suffer here, but it still has like an end to mm-hmm. it. So you can be a devout Christian and then you can go to a heavenly planet and then you can reap the rewards of your devotion 
and then you will have another opportunity. Like it, it's, it only lasts so long, right? Your karmic balance, because mm. that's karma is like a whole balance, right? Mm -hmm. Like, and so you can get a bunch of good karma, right? But then that expires at some point because what we're trying to do is to not have karma, like not right. even at positive all. or negative. Yeah. We want no karma at all, right? right? And so all these other paths, they accumulate a lot of wonderful karma, but then that eventually has to right and now they're spent right right and it depends i guess who they're worshiping there might be some different religions that they are worshiping god in a very personal way they might just not go to goloka vrindavan where you're worshiping krishna in the form that he has in vrindavan right you know? right yeah it's like i mean there's a planet for shiva a planet for jesus right. a planet for like they're all planets for all the different right so that's versions. kind of just a little more shedding light on why we think it's the topmost right. there you can have Very the most cool. lovely interactions and shama the moment you've been waiting for all right chapter eight text number 22 <laughs> Sangeeta. cool thing <laughs> that was her in her own voice saying uh, shama sangita in case people aren't watching uh live you know yes yeah. Number 22, the Supreme <laughs> Personality of Godhead, who is greater than all, is attainable by unalloyed devotion. Although he is present in his abode, he is all pervading and everything is situated within him. Mm. Who's talking right now? Is Krishna talking <laughs> about Krishna right now? Is he still doing the MTV? Ooh. Welcome to my crib. Yes, Krishna talking about Krishna. Yeah. Krishna talking about himself in third person. I'm okay, okay. with that. I'm, I'm <laughs> that's kind of cool. <laughs> so he says, okay, me, who is greater than all, is only attainable uh, by unalloyed devotion. And I mm. looked up looked up the word yeah it's pure unalloyed means oh, pure delotion 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 <laughs> delotion <laughs> <I love laughs> to be the best it's, type it's of very lotion moist. <laughs> very very moist. oh my god that that sound moist okay anyways but so krishna can only be attained by pure devotion right yeah. although he is present in his abode he's hanging out in his crib <laughs> he is all pervading so he's everywhere yeah and everything is in within him right mm. Yeah, that's kind of cool. That's that a that's a cool. that's a flex. I like that. That's, <laughs> that's a flex. Yeah, Chris is flexing right now, and I'm okay with that. Chris right. is like, I'm chilling over here, but I'm also over there. Right, but I'm also over here, and I'm also over there. And, and then you're over there. you're over here because you're all within me. Well, yeah, right. and I'm inside you, and you're inside me. <laughs> Everyone, <laughs> everyone's having a good dang time. And they give a super nice example uh, in the purport that talks about that, how yeah. he's everywhere. They say the Vedas compare the Lord to a tree standing still yet bearing many varieties of fruit, flowers, and unchanging leaves. So basically in that abode, there's only one Supreme Godhead, one Krishna in Goloka Vrindavan, but he's supremely merciful and he's situated everywhere. He's expanded himself into millions and millions of plenary expansions. So I like the tree comparison that's really cool very nice i think there's two things for me in this purport that are important okay, nice the first one is it says to enter krishna's supreme abode or the hmm. innumerable vaikunta planets i also highlighted that which makes me think we're still in sync i love it Continue. <laughs> it is possible only by bhakti or devotional service right so as we get on we're actually going to kind of talk about this idea of like getting into vaikunta planets a little bit more right. too but basically what krishna is saying is Pure devotion, mm. devotional service is the only way to reach Krishna. And we've talked about this before. We've talked about Maya right. being like a best friend who's like, I'm not just letting anyone get to my right. friend, right? And so it takes like pure of pureness of heart and like mm -hmm. real desire to be humble and serve and right. like, you know, that in order to get there. And then the second important point that I think, and Shamla, you can add to these things mm -hmm. as afterwards. Um, it says... 
Krishna's energies are so expansive that they systematically conduct everything mm. in the cosmic manifestation without a flaw. We are so in sync. You have no idea. Like I highlighted that then all the way. That's like down the purport if anyone's <laughs> following with the book and we're highlighting the same exact lines. Well, can you repeat that line yeah, again? Like, That's so beautiful. Yes. So it says, Krishna's energies are so expansive that they systematically conduct everything in the cosmic manifestation without a flaw, although the Supreme Lord is far, far away. Oh my God. You know what I think about when, when you say that? It's like the planet is moving and it's rotating and it's going around the sun mm -hmm. and the sun rises every single day and sets every single day. Like everything is in mm. perfect sync, like sync, what's the word? Synchronicity. Synchronicity, you know, which and, is so beautiful. Yeah. And that's exactly what I thought of when you, when yeah. you said that. And you know, it makes me think that line also, he is obviously the topmost a goal because he's the supreme enjoyer because who else you know he has different like people to execute this to execute that like he's not having to do anything he's just there enjoying in his heavenly realm in the goloka vrindavan so he is the topmost enjoyer and i think someone at one point who wasn't necessarily within the bhakti movement they were like yeah. Who is this Krishna? He obviously is at the top because he has, he's delegating. He's having other people do the work and he's just enjoying, he's just playing the flute. So he obviously is the top most, you know, <laughs> smart because man, smart Very man. Smart he man. is having others. I mean, of course he's doing a lot, but he is ultimately having other people in charge of different things. And without a flaw. Without and a that's, flaw. And that's, I mean, you can't picture that now. There's no company, there's no group right. of people. There's nothing that functions without a flaw. So, but also without a flaw while being long distance. Right. Like that's really That's hard. impressive. That's Super a really impressive. good trait to put on your resume. You know that's what I mean? impressive. Of course, these all come from Krishna. So they're part of him, but... He, in the form of Krishna, playing the flute, is just enjoying, just having loving exchanges with his devotees. So, yeah, I love that because it kind of shows he's literally just the supreme enjoyer. So Krishna works from home. Yeah, he works he from home. he also works from home. Oh. I'm pointing at my heart. Right? <laughs> beautiful. Isn't that beautiful? I like beautiful. it. I like it a lot. Very nice. Um, and, you know, one more thing about the spiritual destination, I like that it says it's a place where everything is full of spiritual bliss and all the variegatedness manifest there is the, is the quality of spiritual bliss because nothing's material. Variegatedness? Uh, variegatedness coming from like variety. Oh, say it again. Sure. Say the whole line again. Okay. I'll Thank try. you. Just so I can <laughs> yeah, process yeah. that information. All the variegatedness manifest there is the quality of spiritual bliss. Like everything is spiritual bliss. Nothing is material. And that variegatedness is the spiritual expansion of the Supreme Godhead himself. Meaning the entire spiritual world is an expansion of that spiritual bliss and variety that comes from within Krishna. Mm. I just Googled it. That's a real word. Yep. <laughs> she's talking, she's talking. She's true, reading true it. Words, so yeah. I hope so. <laughs> oh, it's time to wrap up. Okay, You cool. know, one thing that's interesting Wait, were you saying it's time to wrap up? No, no, yeah, no, he, he, he just, just, oh, oh, just, okay, okay. just gave us a sign, but we One have thing time. about that, because, you know, because our personal existence has been experienced uh, in the material realm as essentially painful, Srila Prabhupada writes in his commentary that the conception of retaining this personality, this personal form after liberation might frighten people. Like, because, you know, the spiritual world is very personal, very intimate, very loving. And a lot of people, a lot of our, a lot of materialists, our experience with this material nature is pain, suffering. So people might feel a little apprehensive, a little scared, like, what? 
up in the spiritual realm, it's also personal. So Prabhupada writes that when they are informed that spiritual life is also individual and personal, some people might become afraid of becoming persons again. And so they naturally might prefer a kind of merging into the impersonal void, the impersonal Brahman. But entering the path of bhakti, however, we can gradually begin to experience our real spiritual selves and a release from this egotistic anxiety. And when we finally become purified, we're able to relish this vision of bliss of personal spiritual existence in Goloka. So I thought that was an interesting twist on why for some they might feel more comfortable going into, we've talked about the impersonal Brahman, the light, where you're just kind of what floating in the light, you know? Yeah. I mean, I think as individuals right now in society, we sometimes have a hard time being individuals. Right. And we try to place ourselves in labels that group us with other people's because, because it's more comfortable. Mm -hmm. So yep. I can understand the the general thought process of right. the idea of being a individual being in a, in a perfect world, being a little daunting or overwhelming. Mm, so right. yeah, totally. Yeah. And yeah, basically that concludes a bit the purport that Krishna with all of his energies, he's present everywhere, both in the material and the spiritual universes. And I love that. Yeah. And, and to just kind of put a nicer twist to what we were just saying, Shamali, yeah. like, I think it might be frightening to have that, um, like individualism, but we are to understand that Goloka Vrindavan, you will enjoy your individualism. Yeah. You will yeah. be... Uh, you will feel like you belong. You will feel like mm -hmm. this is the perfect place for you. It's not something to be afraid of. It's something to be excited for, yeah. for a place of no suffering. Mm -hmm. And like, like, I mean, if you've had an experience of being with, whether it's whatever suits you, right? Whether it's people or maybe it's food, whatever it is that that experience that you've had something really, really good happen to you. That's what every day would be like. Mm, right? That's kind of dope. Yep. Yeah. Like really good food or really like ha nice, fun hangout with a friend or whatever right. it might be. Right. Yep. So yeah, nothing to be afraid of. Mm, beautiful. All right. And that wraps up this episode. We <laughs> will start again. Chapter eight, text number 23. Mm. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. See you next time. Bye. Hello, beautiful souls. If you like what you're hearing, please follow us on Instagram at Modern Yogi Podcast. And if you love what you're hearing, please make sure to share a link to our podcast at Modern Yogi Podcast with all your friends, families, and long lost cousins. And if you have any questions at all, send us a DM on Instagram at Modern Yogi Podcast and we'll be sure to get back to you. Thank you for listening to The, the Modern, Modern Yogi. Yogi.